Welcome back to One on One, New York's longest-running sports call-in show. We'll have DJ Sixsmith and Jake Kringshrifels back in just a few minutes. Mike Watts sitting in in their place for just a moment. And for this Fordham Focus, we're pleased to be joined by Fordham's winning uh, football coach. All he does is win, Joe Moorhead. Coach, how are you? Doing great. How are you doing? You know, it's it's a good day. And, of course, it's always a good day when Fordham is undefeated, 8-0. How does it feel for you and, and for the team going into this bye week? Could you have imagined this at the start of the year? You know, you take a look back in, in, in a broad broad sense, what's happened from a historical context, and it's been a season of first in a lot of ways. It is a lot to take in. Uh, but what we've asked the kids to do is focus on each game with singleness of purpose and be 1-0 each week. So when you look at each win individually that we didn't look back, didn't look ahead, you know, it's, it's not as, as kind of, um, kind of um, you know, I don't even know, know the word. I mean, it's 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 pretty – it's pretty intense. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the season so far, there's just been a buildup of buzz around campus. And spoke with uh, Fordham Ticketing yesterday. They said the Loge is already completely sold out for the Holy Cross game. They're selling at the same rate they were for the previous two games, which were both sellouts. So, of course, tickets are, are beginning to move a little bit. So that buzz on campus and from alumni, how many emails do you get? How many people do you see on campus? How do the players react to that? Uh, the support that we've, we've gotten from the student body and the university community and, and our alumni has been tremendous. I mean, the, you know, the amount of uh, supportive emails uh, you know, for, the, for, the, for the coaching staff and for the players and the team have been um, significant. You know, and you walk through campus and – you know there is a palpable buzz, and um, you know it's it's a credit to our kids and our coaching staff for for um, you know doing the things that they've done this season, and obviously the the fans and the and the students and the and the people who come to our games have played a big part in that, and particularly not just the home games with the sellouts, but you look at the Georgetown game and the Yale game, it almost felt in a lot of ways that you know we had more people in attendance at, at our away games than than the home team did. So um, you know hopefully we can keep it rolling. Mike Watts with Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead here on one on one New York's longest running. Sports call-in show, and you get to the bye week, 8-0, and and you you admittedly were a little banged up. You said it on the field. You told me in the week in advance, so we've never been this healthy this season, but maybe a little coach speak there because as soon as the game's over, it's like, all right, time to get healthy. Who really needed this bye week, and, and, you know, what have you guys done to try and get these players back to 100%? Everybody needed it, quite frankly, coaches and players, not to to regroup and get healthy physically but to, just to kind of take a step back and regroup mentally and um you know traditionally what we had done on bye weeks is the players would would meet and watch the game on on Sunday get them off Monday Tuesday Wednesday practice Thursday Friday give them off Saturday then come back Sunday with a traditional game week but in order to help our guys get get healthy and get mended and you know get ready for the for the four game stretch run you know we gave them the entire week off you know they still had um, lifts and stuff like that and we're going to come back Sunday and basically get the repetitions that we would have gotten on Thursday, Friday. So make, you know, Sunday a little bit more of a full pad of practice than it would be on a traditional Sunday. So, um, you know, we're, we're getting some guys back that have been nicked up and dinged up and didn't play in the Yale game. So we expect to be at full strength for Holy Cross. Yeah, well, and going into this bye week, it'd be very easy for players to look at all the press clippings and maybe see you on SNY and, and the various things that you and the players have, have done press-wise. What does it mean to your program to have all this press floating around? And, and I'm sure players have gotten a hold of you guys now in terms of recruiting instead of the other way around, no? No, it's, it's helped our recruiting efforts. It's, it's helped everything that we want to do to build this program to turn it into a perennial championship team. And, um, 
you know, that competes for a national championship. And you know, we're very appreciative of all the attention we've gotten, not just from, you know, local media outlets, but national outlets as well. And, um, you know, it's great exposure for the program. It's tremendous for our kids because they've earned the recognition, they've earned the credit. Uh, but at the end of the day, they understand that the things that are focal and important to winning games are our prepar- preparation, our effort, and our execution on a weekly basis. And if they continue to do that, the attention will continue to come. Mike Watts with Fordham football head coach Joel Moorhead here on 90.7 FM and WFUVsports.org. And, Coach, you go into this bye week, and, you know, I think it would be easy for, for maybe the team to be a little bit uh, complacent. They, they've come so far in one year. How do you make sure that they're focused going into a game like Holy Cross? Does it does it really take that much effort anymore? It, it, no, it doesn't. That's a credit to these kids that you know we've asked them on a weekly basis to just go one and zero every week and come out and have a great week of preparation with our practice, give tremendous effort, you know, during the game and execute our scheme better than the opposition. And we talk about it as like a hurdle race that you can't look look behind you at the hurdles you've already cleared, and you can't look ahead at the finish line or the ones that are in front of you are going to trip over the one that you're trying to leap over. So uh, they understand what it takes to win. And at this point, they're so dialed in because they understand, you know, what's at stake with each game that, that they can't look back or can't look ahead because the, the game that we're on is the most important one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Coach, we'll get to some uh, listener questions here in a few minutes, but I do want to go back and talk a bit about last week. You're going to be on Monday Night Quarterback on FordhamSports.com on Monday, and that'll be up Tuesday or Wednesday on FordhamSports.com. But Looking back to to uh, Saturday's game against Yale, you know, 421 yards for Mike Niebrick. First, did you guys know he was six yards from the Fordham passing record? Would you have let him stay in? And what can you say about his performance? I might have let him stay in. And uh, he he jokes about he wanted to beat my whatever it was 406 or 413. Yeah, I, he got it. Yeah, he did. Not kidding. I'm gonna take him out or stop calling passes. You know, just before that. But we don't get that information from up top, unfortunately. And you know, maybe I. Would have kept him in there because that's that's nice. And but at the end of the day, you know his individual stats and he, you know, they're, they're secondary or tertiary to you know what we're trying to accomplish as a team. But you know, when you have the type of weapons you have at his disposal with with, with our skill players and the line protecting him the way he does, and you know Michael being able to beat you with his arm, his legs in the scheme without the scheme, and, and do it while limiting turnovers. You know, maybe not so much in the Yale game as he had in the past. Um, I think that's what makes our offense very difficult to defend. Yeah, well, and one of those weapons, Sam Ajala, 282 yards, a career-high four touchdowns for him. Seemed like every time he got a, a free release, he was 20 yards upfield before you blinked your eye. Yeah, Sam had an, an unbelievable game, and you know, the week before it was Tabucky with 10 for 187, and we actually missed Tabucky on a couple open throws. But you know, I think, like we we mentioned about our offensive scheme, that you know, if you're going to try to take away one player or one position or, or the run or the pass, you know, there's other things that we can go to to try to expose you. And, and that day it just happened to be Sam's day based on what, what Yale was doing. And uh, he ran good routes and, you know, Michael was able to connect with him with good protection. And, you know, I can't say enough good things about Sam that, you know, he, you know, heading into the season, we always know, knew he was tremendously blessed with great athletic ability and football skill, you know, but for him to embrace the mental aspect aspect of the position and concentrate on improving his fundamentals and technique and weekly preparation, it's really, you know, prove dividends, and I, I believe he's second in the country in receiving yards now and up there and all the other statistics. So I couldn't be more happy for him to be rewarded for the work that he's put in this season. Mike Watts with Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead. Uh, looking back a little bit to Yale here before we look at the season as a whole and begin to move on towards the second half of the campaign. We'll talk about that a little more later. But before we start talking about the defense, I, I do want to ask about the running back 
situation. You've got Carlton Kuntz, who obviously ran for about 1,600 yards a year ago, really took a lot of carries, took a lot of beating. Jared Creighton has begun to get a few more carries, a little bit of a bigger back, just a sophomore. What's the thought process behind getting him in the game a little bit more than maybe you did in the first few weeks? I, th- I think the thing with um, Jared is he offers a different style of running than than, um, than Carlton, and certainly Carlton's capable of doing the short yardage things and the red zone goal line things and the pass protection. But um, you know, it's just like any other; it's a, it's a personnel game, and, and you want to utilize the skill skill set of your personnel to best fit the, the game situation. And you know, those third down situations are where Carlton needs a blow, or, or down in the goal line where we need a little bit more of a hammer. And you know, Jared runs you know very hard and very physical, and he runs through contact. Um, you know, to, to have two guys to be able to do a job at a very high level was very comforting for us. And, you know, it's not like Carlton has lost much of his production. I think he's still eighth in the country in rushing and first in the league. So, right. and, and the great thing is it takes some of the carries off him. He shouldn't, like last year he had 300 carries. He shouldn't have that many carries. That's too many for him and too many for any running back. But, uh, you know, to have two guys to be able to contribute the way they have and Jared stepping up the past few weeks has been very very good for our offense. Well, and I think Fordham fans would be okay if he had a few more carries, if it meant a few more games. Yeah. But uh, I think that's uh, maybe something we can get to yeah. later. Uh, let's talk about the defense. Uh, let's begin with Brett Bestick, who was ejected from the game in the second half against Yale last Saturday for a, a, a targeting penalty. It's a new rule, uh, one that in FCS can't be overturned during the game. I, I believe you can appeal it. What what was the ruling you got? And in terms of the call itself, what are your thoughts there? Now, I didn't see it initially happen on the field. I was, you know, talking up to the booth about the last um, offensive series. And, you know, I got an explanation from the referees that you, you, you can't launch off of your feet. You can't lead with a crown of your helmet to a defenseless player in the head and neck area. And, and that was their um, – interpretation of the hit and you only get to see it one time they don't get to go to review and you know when I went went back and looked at it on the film uh, you know it was very difficult to see from the wide angle or the tight angle but when you slowed it down you could really see that you know Brett didn't lead with his head and didn't launch himself from the feet and from uh, off the ground and um, the play went to review and went to Rogers Redding who who reviews all these tapes uh, from a national perspective and you know they um, they overturned the uh, targeting and so he doesn't have to miss the the first half of the Holy Cross game, which we're very, very excited about, obviously. Yeah, well, and Brett has, I think, played a big role in the run defense. He, he really holds down his spot on the line very well, and, and it seemed like towards the end of that game against Yale, the, the big runs really started to come up. Was Brett Bistick not being in the lineup a, a part of that? Was it something that, that you did? Was it the situation, the game dictating that maybe they got a, a few more yards on those carries. Uh, Brett was having a very good game up to that point, and you know, I think it was a combination of factors. Um, you know, none of them are excuses. You know, the, first off, you know Yale's a very well coached football team with a bunch of all Ivy League linemen and, and very good running backs. So their their coaching staff did a good job game planning, and my hats off to them for that. And you know, and there were some things schematically where we were out of gaps or you know not necessarily you know fitting it, fitting the runs the way we needed to. And then, you know, we were in rotating three interior defensive linemen the entire game, two of whom are true freshmen. So, you know, those are a couple guys that we're going to get back healthy, you know, to take some of the reps off of those guys. So, obviously, we've got to, you know, stop the run better and don't want to give up 300 yards. But at the end of the day, you know, we lead the league in scoring offense, lead the league in scoring defense, and we're one of the top three teams in the country in turnover margin. So, if we can keep those things going, you know, I'll, I'll sacrifice the yards for points and turnovers. Well, when you put it that way, not not, not too shabby. <laughs> We've got our first uh, viewer-listener uh, question, I suppose, here. Uh, radio, I guess it would be a listener <laughs> yeah. question, right? 
Uh, we've got Jim who's asking about the freshmen. He said a couple of the defensive players at EAA and Washington and Dawson have all gotten quite a bit of playing time this year. How do you evaluate their progress and really the progress of that entire freshman class as a whole? We're very excited about this 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 freshman class and you know not just defensively but offensively. There's a bunch of guys that you know quite frankly, you know if you had the opportunity to redshirt them wouldn't be playing at this at this juncture in, in, in their career. But um, you know they're pressed into into service probably earlier than they should. But you know with each practice week and each game that they get into and each repetition, you see Manny and Alex and George improving on an incremental basis. And you know Justin Vaughn's a guy who had been playing earlier and got hurt, but. You know, I'm very excited about our, our, our freshman classroom this year, and I think you know down the line they're going to be something special. Now, Coach, looking at really your your team as a whole, they, they you, you mentioned leading in scoring offense, leading in scoring defense, but there are some areas to improve upon. We already talked about uh, rush defense, but even penalties have been an issue this year. There was a unsportsmanlike conduct for, for pulling his helmet off in the Yale game. Uh, you, you can look back at, at holding penalties that have been an issue. Uh, throughout the season and even going into false starts and things of that nature that maybe prolonged drives and, and killed drives offensively for you guys. What do you do in practice, things like holding? Is there anything you can do to try and make sure your team maybe commits fewer infractions that, that maybe hold the team back? Yeah, you know, we talk about that, particularly offensively, that the, the times that we've been stopped this season offensively haven't really been, you know, times where we've, you know, it's been where we've gotten plays before the snap that get us behind the chains or holding penalties or things like that. And, you know, we talk about it with the kids, you know, during our Sunday meeting following the game. You know, penalties is one of the things we discuss, and we talk about our fundamentals and technique during the week in practice. And then our coaching staff, you know, has to point it out either in the middle of practice or during film review that what you do in practice you're going to do during the game. So if we're holding or jumping off sides and things like that, you know, it's going to, it's going to show up in the game. But, you know, I think I saw something on game day or ESPN where they talked about, you know, the teams with the undefeated records at the FBS level are, are some of the 10 most penalized teams in the country. While certainly we don't want them to happen, and, uh, you know, we're doing everything we can to curtail <laughs> the holding penalties and the things of that nature and the ones that you can control just through, through um, you know, smart football, um, you know, we're, we're working to, to minimize them as well as we can. Now, I, I was speaking with a couple of players on your team, and I'm talking with Joe Moorhead here, Fordham football head coach, Mike Watts with you here on one-on-one, New York's longest-running sports call-in show here on 90.7 FM, and this interview will be up in its entirety online later on today in case you missed the opening portion of it. I, I spoke with a couple of your players here over the last few days, and they all made it very clear, ga- games like Holy Cross and Bucknell, where the records maybe aren't indicative of what they've done or... Uh, maybe, you know, Patriot League rival would be easy to possibly overlook them in the grind of the season. They go, well, we won on a two-minute drill against Holy Cross. We lost to Bucknell a year ago on the road. It seems like there's really no reason to maybe overlook it, but even a cautionary tale like Lehigh going 10-1 and last year, missing the playoffs, is this really a a win-out or go-home situation? Is that what maybe you're, you know, putting, you know, in in the program's head a little bit or – not, not necessarily. We're, we talk about handling our business on a weekly basis, and um, you know, certainly, you know, we discuss it with with the Georgetown game where it came down to a goal line stand. And you know, when we get the team back together, we'll talk about Holy Cross, how we needed to punch it in there at the end uh, to get that win. And you know, um, you know, that that's part of what we talk about with the, with the with the, the two two twelve thing, extra effort, and margin of error, and um, 
you know, we're, we're going to need to play a great game, and they're, they're a very well-coached football team. And I believe, you know, last year's game was it was a one-touchdown game, and I don't know if they had won one or two games at that point, and, and the same with Bucknell. So uh, we're going to have to be on our A game. And, and at the end of the day, you know, we have to compete against ourselves. We have to we have to prepare and give great effort and execute as well as we can as a team and, you know, not worry about who the opponent is necessarily but but handle our business and just play as well as we can play and, um, you know, let everything else fall into place. Now, Coach, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question because with success, it, it first breeds success in this program, but it also breeds success for you. Uh, Fourteen and five so far in your in your Fordham career, you've done very well as a head coach. What would it maybe take to entice you to to look at the next level? And is it something you think about at all during the year? Uh, you know, to address this, I, I would have to kind of talk about it in the same way that I ask our players to approach the season that that we focus on the task at hand with tremendous singleness of purpose, and we ask them to be, neither be distracted or be a distraction and. You know, my coaching staff and this team's full focus is on Holy Cross and beating them this week and trying to go 1-0. and And, uh, you know, that's all we're going to worry about for the remainder of the season, going 1-0 and on a weekly basis. And then when the season ends, you know, we'll regroup and go from there. Is that a question that's been maybe posed to you either by people on the coaching staff or people around the program now or even people who maybe want to join the program as recruits? Is that a question you get? Um, you know, it has been, but I, I you know, answer it in the same way every time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it, you know, certainly it's it's good to maybe think about the possibility of an FBS, you know, uh, uh, program to maybe call your own one day down the road, but right now you're busy beating FBS <laughs> programs. You beat Temple earlier. Uh, I believe you have Army as the final game on the schedule next season. We've got James asking which FBS uh, opponents are maybe on our upcoming schedule and beyond that, my question as well is who if there's an FBS team that you want to play? Who do you prefer to play? Is there anybody that comes to mind that you'd like a shot at? Well, we have Army and Navy coming up in the next in the next three years, and those are obviously, you know, from a historical context, traditional rivals. But, you know, I, I think teams, you know, from the AAC or the ACC would, would be good games for us, um, you know, because they're, they're somewhat regional. They help with recruiting. It cuts down on the travel expense and, um, you know, give us an opportunity to, to continue to see how we stack up against teams a level higher. So looking forward, you, you already have an FBS opponent win this year, a couple of top ten wins. Is this maybe the, the, the best team in, in terms of where they've been that you've been a part of between Akron and, and Georgetown and even at UConn where you went to a BCS Bowl? Is there something different about this team? Uh, it's different in the sense that we're undefeated. I mean, yeah. at Akron we did some things that were special, uh, just you know beating some teams from BCS conferences and winning the league, and it at uh, UConn, you know, beating Notre Dame, beating some, you know, teams in bowl games and, and going to the Fiesta Bowl were great things, but, you know, none of them really compare to, to what we have going on this year because, you know, it doesn't happen very often. So hopefully we can keep this thing rolling in the, the direction it's heading and, you know, that will start with Holy Cross. Now, Coach, it, it seems like everyone wants to talk about the seven blocks of granite, and there was an interesting quote from one of your players that said, you know, we don't emulate the seven blocks of grand as much as we want to be better. We we want to be the best Fordham team, and putting that kind of pressure on yourself is uh, certainly a lot to ask, but so far the team's been up to the task. Have you thought about uh, interesting nicknames uh, for, for this team? <laughs> and more importantly, you know, what's it like playing in that shadow and, and beginning to really come out from under it? No, I mean, 
I don't want to say the specter, but it kind of looms over you. I mean, you walk past the field and there's the monument and, you, you know, you see all the pictures and all the history around you and you respect it. And it's something that's, you know, part of the tradition of our program. But, um, you know, th- these kids are trying to carve their own niche and, you know, to be the best team in the country in FCS football. And I don't, I don't think it necessarily takes away f- from anything that's been done here from a, a traditional context, but I think it would just add to it. And, Coach, finally, looking at it, really this season, we're more or less at the midseason point, a little beyond it, but this bye week is always a good place to look back. Let's go ahead and just throw most valuable player and most improved player on offense, defense, and special teams for this year. Offensively, who's been most valuable uh, in, in terms of uh, you know overall value to the team, and who's maybe most improved in that unit? Um, You know, it's hard to say because so many guys have made significant contributions, but when you look at the type of the season that Michael's having from from the quarterback perspective, just because the ball's in his hands every play and he has the most opportunity to affect the game in a positive or negative manner. He's leading the country in, in completion percentage. He's thrown for almost 3,000 yards already, over 20 touchdowns and only, you know, three interceptions. So, you know, uh, his value has been in great, but, you know, it's because of the guys around him as well. Um, you know, most improved. I'd say there, there, there's a number of guys on the offensive line that you can give that to. You know, there, there's got you know Joey Mazzara has, has been a full-time starter for the, for the, um, you know, for this season. And uh, mm-hmm. Garrick Mayweather has had gone from splitting time with, with uh, Stephen Tavia. But the guy I would say, if you were given most improved, would be Tom Fisher, our right tackle. You know, he he had started some, some games before we had gotten here, and uh, you know, you know, ended up being a backup last year, but really worked as hard as he could in the off season and earned the right to be a starter, and he, he's done a tremendous job. So I'd say most improved offensively would have to go to Tom Fisher. On defense, a lot of people would say probably Mike Martin a year ago, and no one would really bat an eyelash. This year it seems like it's a little more by committee. Who's the most important player, most valuable player on that D? I'd say the award would have to go to the same person in both regards, that the most improved player and the guy that's had the most impact on our defense has been Stephen Hodge. Absolutely. And special teams, maybe an MVP who last year, Patrick Murray, uh, and most improved over on that side. I'd, I'd say you have to have co-MVPs on that side just because, you know, the, the most lingering question in the offseason was how we were going to pr- replace Patrick's production from a kicking and punting perspective. And you've got Michael Mirando, who's done an unbelievable job. I believe he's missed one PAT and one or two field goals mm-hmm. and um, done a a solid job with kickoffs. We'd like to see a little bit of improvement in that area. And then Joey Pavlik coming in as a true freshman has done a great job handling those duties. So, you know, we certainly haven't um, replaced Patrick, but we found a way uh, to have two people do the job that he did last year. All right. Well, Coach, thank you so much. Mike Watts with Joe Moorhead here. We've got DJ and Jake coming back after the break. And, Coach, 8-0, it, it seems like the rest of the way there's going to be a little bit of buzz. You excited? No, very excited. I mean, it's it's great, and this is this is what we want. You know, we t- tell our kids – you either feel pressure or apply it, and that's what we want to do for the rest of the year. We want to apply pressure, and we want to embrace. No one rises to low expectations, so we want we want to have this pressure, and, and I think our kids thrive on it. They look forward to the fact that there's a challenge to continue to go one and zero every week, and you know keep this thing rolling. And you know hopefully, if we can do it for four more weeks, it, it'll pay off with another game. We'll be right back after this short timeout. You're listening to One on One, New York's longest running sports call-in show on ninety point seven FM WFUVSports.org.